welcome to another episode of Throwing Bagels. This is Chris Daglas. I am joined by Kevin Mooney. Kevin, how are you? Hi. I'm good, Chris. And Jason Hamo. Jason, how are you? Good. Wow, what a special episode we have lined up for today. I've been waiting for this for a long, long time. I can honestly say this next guest that we have on today is a friend of the show. It's none other than Joe Yurden. Joe, welcome to our podcast. Hi, uh, hello, guys. It's uh, very wonderful to, uh, you know, forgive for breaking down the fourth wall. Very nice to see your faces. Uh, for a few of you, it's been a long time. So this is, uh, I, I was I was more offended when you asked if I would want to be on it. I was like, dude, name, <laughs> name the day. Tell me when and try to kick me off the show because you can. That's funny. That's great. Well, we appreciate you coming on. I, I just want to give some background. Uh, Joe is the co-host of Maintenance Day with Joe Lysowski of the Buffalo News, and you guys can listen to him and them wherever you get your podcasts, and also the founder and creator of Noted Hockey, a Substack that you can all read. So it's wonderful, by the way. I've done both. Thank you. I very much appreciate that. It's uh, it's it's nice nice to have you on board. That's for sure. It's it. You do a great job, Joe. I mean, you do an excellent job. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> okay. I, I tune those people out anyways. Like, That's if, nice. Anybody who That's tries to be a, a doofus at me, I'm just like, get out of here. It's mute, block, get away from me. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the Sabres because uh, it's uh, a team you cover out in Buffalo. They're in a playoff hunt. You know, speaking of your Substack, you had mentioned uh, that they are, there's this three goalie strategy that they're doing. <laughs> Yeah. Craig Anderson, Eric Comrie, and the greatest name in hockey right now, Uku Pekka Lukanen. Mm-hmm. And right now they're going with Lukanen as the hot hand. Is this yeah. something they're going to continue to do for the second half of the season? I, I think they're going to ride it as long as it works, honestly, uh, which it's not a normal strategy, like to say the least. The only other time I've seen teams carry three goalies is college hockey. Like that's, that's it. Um, although, Marty Baron did tell us there was a time while he was in Buffalo that they had three, they kept, they had three goalies there. It was like him, Mika Noren and somebody else that I'm forgetting, but like, but Marty hated it. He was like, he's like, none of us get the minutes. None of us get enough, like what we want. It's just tough. It's tough on everybody. And, uh, but this rotate, I mean, geez, Lukanen's making it impossible to sit him. Like he's playing so well. And th- th- he's playing the way everybody in Buffalo's wanted him to play the last like two years when he showed up, which he kind of has, but he kept getting injured. Uh, but he's in fantastic shape. He's fit. He's the whole the whole nine. And something clicked with him at some point this year where suddenly he was just playing instinctually as opposed to, oh, I got to be in this spot. I got to be in, you know, I got to be ready in my, you know, reverse VH, you know, whatever the hell the, the goalie terminology is. For, for what they do. It's no longer butterfly and stand up. It's just, you know, it's all kinds of dumb stuff, but, but he was, but now he just reacts, which I mean, you're a goalie reacting is good. Um, but he's also getting better at reading the plays, reading where the puck's coming from, uh, seeing how opponents are trying to set up around him. And it's, geez, he, this is the guy who played, who won Finland, a, a gold medal at world juniors. He looks incredible. And <laughs> it's, it's the best case scenario, but also the worst possible situation for everybody on hand because you feel bad for Eric Comrie because he's supposed to be the number one. Craig Anderson's, you know, he's closer our age than not. Uh, so that's 
you know, not usually uh, a good thing in the NHL when you're you're north of 40. Uh, but he's played great playing once a week. That's geez, that's a great gig, honestly. <laughs> Here, play one game a week, rest up the rest <laughs> of the time. You're gonna you're gonna play again in another week. Uh, here's a million dollars. Like that's that's perfect. That sign me up right now if I could do anything athletically. But but like they can't like not do it this way because you know you know Comrie came back from a lower body injury and. The thought was that when he when he came back and he was healthy, is that they're like, well, they got to send Lukanen back down. I was like, no, you can't. You literally cannot. Like he's won six in a row. You can't send him down. Can't do that. You don't do it with a hot hand. And they're like, well, what do they do with Comrie? And I'm like, they're gonna keep three. And they're like, why would they do that? And I was like, they're playing four games a week for the next month. Like, what do you want? <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's made sense. I'm gonna be really curious to see how they handle it once the schedule lightens up because they go from playing. 15 games in 28 days through January to playing twice in two weeks with the all-star break thrown in the middle. <laughs> like, you know, they, they've been like not having morning skates. They've been not practicing because they're just like, they're just, you can't be, you can't have the gas tank empty. So, uh, but man, I, I'm really happy for Lucan and he's a nice kid kid he's 24 where however old he is but That's a kid he's a kid every, to us he's every, everybody's a kid to us except craig anderson he's not a kid to us he's he's like a, cl- a classmate basically um <laughs> but uh it's uh you know and you know listen eric Comrie, like i'm rooting for him because he might be one of the nicest people i've ever met in the nhl just an easy like the most easy going you could talk to him about anything like he got going one day before christmas about how his wife was watching all those hallmark holiday movies and he's, he's like these are some these are the worst movies i've ever seen guys i i can't believe i'm watching these things every night and i'm like i was like well just watch something else and he's like well you know we go to bed about 8 30 and i'm like how old are you again <laughs> how old are you again he's oh, 28 i'm like like maybe not even 28 might be like 26 but i'm just like Okay, man, like whatever. But then I reminded the other day, he's the heir to the brick furniture uh, fortune in Canada. I think it's his dad is like the founder of brick furniture. Like it, they have many stores across Canada. It's a billion dollar family. <laughs> and he's like one of the heirs. Like his, you know, his uh, was like half brother, step brother is Mike Comrie, who played with the Oilers mm-hmm. back in the day, he was married to Hillary Duff, you know, like. This guy never needs to play any need to do anything with his life. He just kind of be on cruise control, but no, he's a damn good goalie and he's a damn good guy. So I don't know, man, it's, it, it's wild it, on maintenance day. We've been trying to do not do goalie talk like since the summer, but like we can't avoid it because it was the biggest problem. Now it's a problem <laughs> in the other direction because now they got too many guys and they're all playing well. So it's, yeah, it's tough. You know, let's talk about really one of the breakout players uh, on the roster, and that's uh, a monster by the name of Tage Thompson. Six, I mean, six foot six, six foot seven center. He is really <laughs> developing into an unstoppable force mm-hmm. uh, on the team. I mean, how how instrumental has head coach Don Granado been to to his success, and as far as where he is right now, he is he is the guy who came in with the prior knowledge of where he can play, how he plays. I mean, he coached him when he was 16, 17 years old uh, at the NTD, NTDP program, the U.S. program, uh, which he wasn't able to be the first-line center on that team because there was a guy named Austin Matthews on that team. There was oh, a that guy. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> he, was on, he was there. Uh, Matthew Kachuk was on that team. Like, just a very top-heavy, loaded squad. And, you know, he was playing third and fourth-line minutes with that group, which – 
Of course you were. Like, imagine the numbers you'd have to put up to like be like, oh, but Austin, we're going to put you on the second line today. Like, come on. But he did play center then. And he did play a little bit of center when he played in college at UConn. But Tage is, I mean, Grinnell puts him at center and everybody before that season started was like, what are you doing? This guy hasn't done squat for three years and you're putting him at center. You took the C off of Eichel and you're going to trade him and you're putting this guy at center. What are we doing here? Like what's happening? And then he scores 38 goals last season. <laughs> and now he's got, he's got 32 now before we're at all-star break. Like, you know, he's got, we got another week of games. We got, a, you know, there's five games before all-star break. How many is he going to finish with by the time he gets to Florida? Like it's wild, man. It's, and it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen ever watching NHL hockey. Like not, never mind as a professional, just as a fan forever. Like, you don't see stuff like this, and, you know, Buffalo being what it is. Everybody's like, oh, just like Josh Allen. And I'm like, guys, guys, <laughs> was Josh Allen traded for somebody and then was the third string quarterback on the Bills and then came out of nowhere? No, no. I was like, if anything, Tage Thompson's Tony Romo. And they're like, no, no, Tage is better than that. I'm like, yes, he is. But like, it's the same kind of, it's the same kind of thing where he just, it, it comes out of nowhere. He had more goals last season than he had career points going into last season. 38, that's crazy. To, 38 to 35. Like that's it's, 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 it's insane. Like, it makes me stammer. It's crazy. But I mean, the, the thing was, and I just wrote about this uh, recently at noted hockey, which my timing, I could probably stand to use somebody to be like, maybe pocket that one for another time when Brian Miller's not getting his number retired. Um, but I talked to the guys, you know, Sabres wise and uh, one of the lead scouts at NHL Central Scouting of what their first impressions of him were. You know, obviously, when he comes to the Sabres, he's a new guy. Um, and, you know, he comes in, he's a six foot seven dude. And you're like, what's going on here? Like this tall drink of water going on. We just had, over, you know, they just had Ryan O'Reilly, who was a great player who got traded for saying he hates losing, which was a weird, which was a weird flex by, you know, ownership. But um but everybody's opinion was like, geez, this guy's hands. Like he's schooling everybody in practice. Like he's toe dragging guys. He's just like, he's making us all look stupid every day in practice. And we would see it in practice too. We're just like, man, this, how this guy get hands like that? Well, when he went at his first year going into the program, when he arrived at the program, he was six feet tall and he had all the hands and the skill and everything. By the time that season ended, he was six foot five. So, <laughs> right. So, <laughs> Right. So you go from being like, oh, this guy's going to be a pretty good center. Like he's going to be out there. Like that'll be nice. And now it's like, oh boy, now we've got a power forward. And that's the mistake a lot of people made along the way with him because a guy that size, how could he not be a power forward? Well, he's adjusting to his body. A, B, he couldn't keep weight on for years. Like it just, it, you know, it just the metabolism was sky high. Weight wouldn't, you know, eating like crazy. Weight doesn't stay on. Now he's he's figured it out and he's strong. You know, it's easy for a guy his size and he's wiry. You know, he's got this, you know, seemingly skinny arms and legs to just kind of get folded up if he gets into the corners. Doesn't happen with him now. Like somebody ran a foul of him. Oh man, what a pun against the ducks. Oh boy. <laughs> wow. But um man. Oh geez, I did not plan that one, and I wish I did. Um <laughs> And oddly enough, it was an old teammate, Nathan Bolu, where Bolu kind of gave him a shot down in uh, down in his end of the ice, and I was like, "Please, and referee doesn't call anything, of course." So they get back down. Uh, you know, Ducks are trying to get some shots on, and then 
Bolu gets the puck and then sends it back down, you know, sends it down on the corner. And then you just see Tage come over, wham, thud, Bolu's on the ice. And play stops, you know, like a couple second moments after that, goalie covers, whatever. And Bolu gets up and like he just skates over. He's like, what's the, what's this? What, what, what are we doing? I thought we were cool. We we're boys. And Tage was like basically saying, like, don't, don't ever do that to me again in my in my end of the ice. Cause he thought he could take advantage of him. Because the last time Nathan Bull you saw him, he was a you know wiry skinny kid, not all that strong. Now he's strong, and now he's one of the best players in the NHL, which I can't <laughs> believe still. It's 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 mind-blowing. After after seeing so many years of garbage hockey in Buffalo, to see a guy who had the you know, he was a first round pick. You know, he went what 26th in the draft. There's some pedigree there. His dad was a you know, was a pro hockey player, Brent Thompson. Um, everything was there. It was just a matter of figuring it out along the way. And you get three or four years in and into an NHL career. Granted, one of them was wiped out for shoulder surgery. And you're watching him play, and you're just like, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. You know, you'd see flashes of it here and there. Anytime you played in the AHL, it was like, oh, yeah, he's good here. Because then you start thinking, well, maybe he's AHL good. Maybe he's not NHL good. Stuck with it. Now Don Granado comes wrong, puts him at center. Puts Jeff Skinner on the other side of him. Oh boy, Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck shows up after his shoulder is healed, and then suddenly they got one of the best lines in the NHL. Who nobody predicted that. Literally nobody predicted that. How have the Sabers, Buffalo Sabers, as an organization, react to the you know the situation with Demar Hamlin when you know everything that happened with him? That was really tough on the Sabres, too. Granted, at a different level than with the Bills, obviously. You know, it's Bills, it's their teammate. It's a guy that's, you know, that they, you know, that they see every day, all that. But the Sabres guys and the Bills players have gotten to be not, I don't want to say like totally tight, but like it's not how it used to be back in the day when, you know, the teams would schedule press conferences against each other to try to steal, you know, the Bills would do it to screw the Sabres over and you know the Sabres would just be like cool great thanks for thanks for sticking it sticking it to us again guys that's awesome but um but now they work kind of in concert obviously same ownership helps that out but but like Sabres guys go to the games you know they'll go see the players they'll go see the guys after the game I've seen Josh Allen after games occasionally if he comes it's hard to miss him he's six foot five and a monster you see a guy like that stand in the hallway outside after a game like oh it's Allen okay um you know, Deion Dawkins and Rasmus Dahlin have some kind of like funny friendship. Like it's it's very silly. Dawkins taught uh, Dahlin the gritty, and gr- and then he did it after he scored a goal one game. Like, it was, <laughs> okay, all right, man. Like it's, but like you know, the, and you know, Tuck. I mean, Tuck grew up outside of Syracuse. Grew up in Baldwinsville, mm-hmm. and he's a he was a huge Bills fan, huge Sabers fan growing up. I mean, he's right in that prime that prime time where it was the 0506 uh sabers so like you know obviously he was sabers it was a little tough on the bills then obviously but uh uh but he was a bills fan and like you know he he reps the allen jersey anytime they're you know they're doing something crossed up and like he's gotten to know some of those guys but there's a camaraderie there so when that happens to hamlin the whole team was really messed up from that they were i think they were on the road uh at the time that they were in washington yeah and uh they really hunkered down like they didn't um they didn't have the players talk after practice or after the game one night. Uh, not even Don Granado spoke like Kevin Adams talked after the game in Washington. It was like, cause you know what the questions are going to be. It's like, yeah, yeah. Nice game guys. But let me ask you mm. about what happened here. And those guys, yeah, I mean, that's, that's hard on them. It's hard on everybody when that stuff happens, especially when you're close. So 
Um, but you know, that game of Washington, the guys, they, they made up, uh, PR director, Nicole Hendricks made up some, got some t-shirts made, you know, love for three, everybody walks in wearing that. So that's good. Um, by the time Hamlin came out of it, uh, the first game that happened in Buffalo after he was, after he was good to go, or, uh, I mean, even if he wasn't good to go, it was going to be the first game in Buffalo it happens, you know, happened to be a Sabres game, but he was, he was awake. He was talking to people. Everything was good with him finally. And, you know, instead of having a moment of silence for him, they had a moment of celebration. So the whole place is just cheering and going crazy. So it's doing little things like that where, you know, that's nice to do uh, and, you know, working together on it. I mean, the one Buffalo thing that happens here, it's kind of corny. Like I get it, but there is, there is something to it when it comes to, you know, major league players like this. I mean, the bandits get involved with it a little bit, but it's, you know, it's obviously a little different with indoor lacrosse compared to the NHL and the NFL. But, um, the, the Sabres guys did a lot of work with the community after, uh, the tops massacre in May, Kyle Pozo was big on, on getting involved with that and all the players, all the other players were like anybody that was in around town at the time. Cause Opozo lives in Buffalo now. Like he, he lives there full time. Um, but like anybody who was in town, they got involved with that too. Uh, and then, you know, after the blizzard, you know, the blizzard happens here and, you know, 40, 40 people die in Buffalo because there's, you know, a ineptitude with everything. And it was a terrifying storm. Um, but like, you know, and again, the Sabres had the first game after everything was done with the, with the blizzard. So it's, it's a lot, it's a, it's a big emotional toll on everybody, but you know, the, the Sabres have, uh, they've done really well with it. And when it came to Hamlin, man, it was, it was just, it was really cool to see the support for him and to see that kind of just universal support for, for, you know, for, for a guy who died on the field and was brought back. I mean, that's, right. it's incredible. As we speak right now, we record this on Monday nights. Uh, the Bills lost to the Bengals yesterday. Uh, how how is the city of of Buffalo? How how have they responded to to a loss like that? What's the mood like out there? Uh, surly. Yeah. I'm gonna say surly because um, you, when you put it in the big picture, this is the third year in a row with a with a bad playoff loss. Mm. It just happened to be the first tour against Kansas City, and the one last year was inexcusable. Uh, but the fans are, I mean, it, the, the, it's hot take central right now for a lot of the fans, <laughs> which is funny. It's funny. Like, you know, I watch the bills. I'm not a fan of the bills, but I watch them and I, you, you have to keep tabs on them here. You can't not, but watching people just freaking out about every, like coming up with all kinds of insane ideas. I'm just like, yeah, good. This is, it's good. Get out of your system now. Wait for, wait for the draft to come up and then you get stupid again. Or, you know, somebody hires Leslie Frazier and then you throw a parade for that or, you know, whatever happens or Ken Dorsey becomes the Panthers head coach. And then they throw a party for that happening because he wasn't that great of an OC, if you ask me, but um, it's, uh, but like, yeah, they, uh, yeah, man, Allen's contract extension starts next year. So he goes from having whatever the rookie contract cap it was like what seven eight nine million whatever I forget to forty three million against the cap. <laughs> and if you look at if you look at spot track to see what their setup is for next year, they're already five million over the cap. So these last couple of years was was when the the window was really open to win the Super Bowl. And honestly, last year was the year to 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 have their best shot at it, and they blew it. Uh, that's not to say that since like they would have rolled over Cincinnati, I don't think they would have. I think that would have been a much harder game. Uh, but the Bills were clicking a lot better last season than they were this year. This year, there's a lot of flaws. Let's switch gears and we're going to talk about you, Joe. We're going to just talk oh. about you. 
crap. Okay. Noted hockey, the Substack. How long have you been doing it? I'll tell everyone how long you've been writing, how long you've been you've had this. Uh, give us a background on the new subscription plan that you guys you have for it, and tell us about what you're doing about donating a portion of your of the of the revenue. Yeah, so uh, I I fired it up in October 2021, October late September, October 21, 2021. Let me just say it that way. It's uh, so I don't trip over myself. Uh, I started it then with the intention of just getting back into writing more, more often, uh, because it was June, I think it was June. Yeah. June of 2020, uh, three months into the, the pandemic, the shutdown, the whole thing, uh, when I was laid off by the athletic, that was, you know, they laid off 8% of the staff gutted a lot of the hockey coverage. I mean, sucks for me, but there was a lot of really great beat guys that just they knocked out because they weren't getting the subscriptions in those places. They're like, ah, it's not worth having it down there. Like, okay, cool guys. Nice, nice idea. Nice website you got here. But um, that obviously affected me a lot. I mean, that, that the athletic job was one that I, I had chased. I had chased after them for like a year to get involved there. Like once, uh, when it started up, I was like, I was like, Hey, email the you know the primary people involved is like hey listen if you come to buffalo i'm ready like let's do this and obviously they're not writing back to tell me because they had no plans and then suddenly they announced they're like hey we're gonna go to buffalo and i get right back on the horn like hey let's go i'm ready to do this and then when you don't hear back when when that happens you're like okay well they're not looking at me so that's cool um and then the the first wave of of people they announced i was not one of them and i was really upset about that um not angry upset just like all right, is this is this the end of the road? Like, am I done writing all that? You know, done writing because uh, I was really scraping by doing stuff for NHL.com and for the AP, and then summer times were hard because you have to pick up a second job when there's no sports going on. You had nothing to cover, so like all that stuff happens. And, you know, the shutdown and that you know that gets really bad. And you know, I was just I was really depressed for a lot of it, and. Another part of that was my my mom had gotten sick with uh, with uh, MDS. It's a blood cancer. Uh, it was May. It was May 2019 uh, when she got diagnosed. So you know, you know, my thoughts are always at home. And then then we got a pandemic, and it's like, oh well, mom's getting treated for cancer, so nobody can nobody from the outside can go see her. So, you know, I've got all this time to myself, like I could try, I could drive out there and be with the family, but then it's like, no, I can't because can't be bringing in anything from the outside. You know, she's getting chemo, the whole thing. So it's like really totally isolated here on my own. So I've got to chew on losing my job, which given the circumstances with, you know, how they were paying out for unemployment and the severance package I got, all that stuff, like I was okay money-wise, like that was fine, but, you know, having, you know, having money and then no place to go. You know, your mom's, you know, you have family sick and, you know, you're not doing anything like that's a lot of idle time. And you're just kind of like, all right, well, the hell am I doing myself here? So when things ended up loosening up and things got, you know, I, I, I don't want to say better, but, but when things improved a little bit uh, and the NHL got back to normal, I was like, all right, let's, let's get back into this a little bit. Um so I started it up. I'd see, I'd seen some people that were that were doing it. I had some opportunities to to join some other sites, but I did not like 
the setup that they had there and the you know the pay structure and all that stuff was just very tenuous and i was not in it to jump on board with somebody else to only have it you know get the rug pulled out from underneath me again i was like mm. i was like i can't i can't get down with that and uh you know so i read up on substack and i was like i was like okay well, this is interesting and you know hockey coverage in buffalo is pretty tight because there aren't a lot of people that that do it uh you know the buffalo news does it obviously the athletic does it they're still doing it you know matthew fairburn's uh their guy now but um and wgr does it because well you know it's flagship station they, they they're going to but as far as professionals doing it and, and writing about the team there wasn't a lot and you know as weird as it is i i was like well, i'm a professional like i am but like i never <laughs> thought of myself that way i was just like it's like i'm just some idiot writing about hockey but i was like but wait a minute i'm a professional i could uh, i should do this so i started i started up with the plan to eventually turn on paid subscriptions but it was like i had to kind of reestablish myself that i was doing this that i was mm-hmm. writing and uh, at the time, the Sabres did not give me a press credential, even though I worked there for eight years. And, Garbage. Uh, they, they knew me. That's ridiculous. It's uh, outrageous. They, yeah. Well, somebody somebody with the Sabres organization eventually got fired mm, within a few months after mm. that. And then suddenly things got different the next year. Mm. Weird. Interesting. Weird. Yeah. Funny how that worked out. But. But for like that whole year, so it's like I'm just like a jackass writing from my couch. Which funny story, that's how I started. But um, but doing it as you know, trying to keep up the 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 face of being a you know a pro at this. I there is no way I could charge people when I'm not there. Like if I'm not there and I'm not allowed on press conferences to ask questions or whatever. What's like what am I what am I asking people to to pay for? You know, like it's there's no reason. So. So we, you know, we get through, we get through the year, you know, season ends and then that person got fired and then things changed over the summer when I approached the Sabres again, because I was like, like, Hey, so let's have a conversation again. I was like, I was like, you know, I'm going to be, I'm still doing this. I would like to to jump in. And they're like, well, yeah, we don't see a problem with that. And I'm like, you, you don't, I was like, we had this conversation five months ago and it was a big problem. They're like, no, well, things are different now. And I was like, okay. Like, besides you got the podcast, you got, you, you and Lance have the podcast. So you know, you're, you're doing work. Like you're, you're pro people. You're a pro person doing this for, you know, for professional purposes. Like, okay. See, they think you're professional. Well, (laughs) they finally did. Yes. At least everybody else agreed. Uh, The one person who may not have agreed was no longer there to, to uh, step in the way, but I fretted for ever. And I'm talking months about turning on paid stuff. Cause I, cause it's the whole, uh, self-esteem, not self-esteem, but just, you know, who's going to pay for this? Like, I don't know who's going to pay. Like, I, I, I have no idea. Like who, who, like who likes my writing? I don't know. I have no idea. Like yeah, I've got a, a fair number of followers on Twitter, but it's like, that's free, <laughs> you know, freeze, freeze easy. Like that's, you know, that, that, that makes it, you know, a lot easier, but I was like, I was like, well, and, you know, and I had, after I was let go by, by the athletic, I had a lot of people approach me to say, Hey, whatever you're doing, I'm in, I'm paying. I was like, well, that's very nice of you. Thank you. But then it's like, can I, you know, how's this going to work? Can I, you know, can I make a living out of it? Can I, you know, how's it going to go? Uh, but it took me months to do it. Um, like from the start of the season, cause it, you know, training camp starts up and I'm like, all right, let's get it. Let's get it started by October 1st. Let's do that. Start of the season. Let's do this. And then I was like, eh, I don't know, I'm not ready for it. And I was like, okay, November 1st, we're going to do this right on. Let's let's go. Time time to get this done. 
Yeah, maybe December 1st, get in time for Christmas. And then people, you know, it'd be a good thing. People are, you know, more, you know, more willing to buy in, whatever. Yeah, let's, let's wait a little bit on this. And then uh, I think it was right before, right after Christmas. I was like, I was finally like, screw this. I'm just, it's on buy in if you want to, like, if you don't, I get it, but I'm going to try to make it worth your while. Not try. I'm. I am going to make it worth your while. Like, there's, there's no try here. It's, it's a it's straight up Yoda stuff. Like, there's no try. There's do. <laughs> um, and you know the response was the response was incredible. Um, I was over a hundred subscribers. I think within a within a month. Uh, to which Substack was was very happy about. You know, I mean, I, Substack when you're doing it for free, they don't really care what you're doing. But once you turn on the pay and you're providing money for them, mm. uh, they like that. Suddenly they're like, oh, you're on our radar now. This is good <laughs> because they take 10% off the top, which it's fine. It's fine. Like they're pay- like they ha- they're providing the web space for me. That's fine. Mm. But now it's like if you go to if you go to the page and you go to sign up, uh, it'll say Substack bestseller on there. I'm like, cool. Neat. I've never been a bestseller at anything. This is great. <laughs> um, but uh, but but starting it up. It took a little bit of time because uh, last March, my mom passed from the blood cancer. And that was the beginning of March, March 2022. And I had started that Substack at, at the end of 2021. And, you know, things with mom started getting a little rough around December, uh, right, you know, after Christmas, uh, beginning, you know, mid July, I think things started getting a little bit dicey. And then it went really fast after that. Uh, so like my mind was not in on writing anything. Like I was just like tuned out. If you told me I had, you know, won like the Indy 500 or something in like, you know, in January or Daytona 500 last February. If you told me I won that, I'm like, I don't know. I wouldn't remember. I, I have no idea. You you lose all sense of time. You lose all sense of like, what you're doing because everything is just a haze because you're just, your your thoughts are only in one spot. So, you know, that happens in March and, you know, you get, you get through the summer and you get thinking about everything and you're just kind of like, all right, well, how, how can I do something? Cause you, you, it's a helpless feeling when it's, you know, it's something like that. Uh, Cause there's nothing you can do. Doctors did everything possible to help her out. And it's just, you know, sometimes, it's, you know, things happen, you know, she got an infection and then they had to treat the infection, which then opened the door for the cancer to be like, oh, now we've got an opportunity. Your body's fighting something else. That's what happens, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Um, you know, when, when things came around in the summer and, you know, uh, you know, my, my, you know, my family, we went, we went down to, uh, South Carolina just to kind of, you know, take a deep breath after everything had happened and, and, you know, kind of, you know, go to the beach, see some other family down there, just kind of, you know, get away from it. And, um, we, uh, after that, I was able to just kind of like, kind of like shake the cobwebs out. You know, I, there's a couple of things that I did down there that were semi sports related ish. And, uh, so we got, we got through with that. I was like, Hey, I was like, okay. That kind of gave me a little bit of an itch. Like I got a tour of the, uh, the Myrtle beach Pelicans ballpark. Um, and that, and you know, I, somebody, I was, I was like, I'm going to Myrtle beach. What should I do? And somebody's like, go, go to, go to a game. And I was like, cool, I'll go to a game. There wasn't a game. So the person that runs their social account, like they're like, hey, come down for for a stadium visit, check it out. I was like, okay, cool. So do that and like get the whole you know behind the scenes and you know, everything the Cubs were doing to make the, the park better and all that. And like, but that got the itch back into me. Be like, okay, sports. All right, we can 
we can do some more sports again. And I was like, right. I'm not doing baseball. <laughs> like I'm not going to, I'm not going to become the Buffalo Bisons guy out here. Like that's just not happening, but no, it's not offense to the Bisons, but like, I like going to Bisons games and having beers and, and dogs and stuff. And I can't do that if I'm writing about them. So right. let me be a fan of something for once, but it, it like got, it got me back motivated again to like get back in writing and, you know, then I had that conversation with the Sabres and they're like, all right, yeah, you know, credentially you're good. I was like, okay. I was like, I'm going to be treating it the way I always have. I'm going to be there all the time. I just hope you know that. They're like, I oh, know. Great. Good. I'm just, okay. I'm just I'm going to be annoying. You know, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. And uh, so, but like, they've been nothing but great. They it's, it's such a night and day atmosphere down there. Obviously the team winning helps out too. Um, but just in how everything is carried on, it's, it's, it's uh, incredible. But you know, being down there and, and getting back in the the spirit of things because it it been like what two years, really a year and a half, essentially that you know from being in that mindset, that mode of doing that stuff. Um, and then I was like, okay, let's get the Substack going again. So I started writing more, and like everything was free. I was like, Just read it, check it out. It's gonna be there regularly. Let's let's go. And then so when it came time to turn on the paid stuff, I was like, um. Uh, Right, fine, screw it, let's do it. And yeah, it's it's been a great response. And you know, one of the the big things that I was doing with it was uh, taking ten uh, percent of, of subscriptions and donating it to the MDS Foundation because I had to do something. You know, it, it going back to the helpless feeling, like you just you don't know what to do, and like that was something that I was like, this is within my control to do, so I'm going to do that. And uh, fortunately, like the response early on from from everybody with the subscriber stuff, like, uh, I think, uh, I think the first donation is like 450, $450, $500, like something along those lines. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's so heartening. It's, it, it makes me feel good that I can, that, that I can make a donation like that, but it's, it's, it's so heartening to have the support of, of the fans either, you know, either here in Buffalo or elsewhere that just, they like my reading. They like what I do. Um, and they like that, you know, different things that I'm doing because I'm trying not to be boring guy with coverage because there's, there's enough of that, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it was, it was, it was one of those things where it's the, the least I can do and then stay involved in, and it's, it's going good right now. So it's, but now, but now it's the switch flips where it's like, well, now it's got to stay good and it's all up to you, buddy. So keep, keep the machine rolling. No pressure. No pressure yeah, at right. all, Joe. At least I'm my own boss. So like if yeah, I screw up, right. it's like that's I fire right. me. <laughs> Chris, I, I think, I don't, uh, we should mention, I think Joe is one of the the few people who actually knows what throwing bagels is. He's witnessed, he's <laughs> witnessed right. the throwing of the bagels. Right. You, Joe? Yes. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> howdy have we, um, <laughs> I think Chris and I were at the game that might've uh, started the backlash against it. Uh, one of mm. the, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if it was a, I don't think it was a playoff game. Ooh, was it a playoff game? I, it might've been a playoff game. It might've been a playoff game. Yeah. Cause uh, there were definitely uh, Plattsburgh fans that were throwing bagels out after this on the second Oswego goal. That's right. Oh, yeah. And we, yes. Chris and I, I caught him. We're like this. that that kid right there. He did. Yes. And like he just like snuck away and like got like went to the top of the section. And I'm like, we're like secure. We're security. We're security. Like that guy. Like that's it. Referees didn't care. Referees don't care. They just saw food hitting the ice. They're like, well, we warned you. Yeah, penalty. And of course. Two minutes. 
Plattsburgh scores immediately on the power play and then oh, yeah. sayonara after that. But yeah, no, it was over after that. What fostered your interest in, in NHL journalism? Like where, where did you get started? So I got started in it basically as something else to do when I was producing radio. Um, I was like, well, I, I want to write again. I want to do some writing again. I was, so I just started blogging, like had my own like blog spot site and was writing about like whatever for uh, whatever was going on in the NHL. And it was just, you know, kind of just saying stuff, talking garbage, whatever, just, you know, but like snarky, uh, well-written uh, snarky. And then, you know, just kind of going from there. And it's kind of how everybody was doing things like in 2008, 2009, around that time, uh, 2007. I think that's, I think I started doing that in 07. So while I was at, while I was at uh, clear channel, there was the guy who was like our program director of uh nine, eight Fox sports, nine eighty. Uh, saw that I had a you know, hockey blog. He's like, dude, why don't you write something for us? I was like, okay, sure. Like, I'll write, like, like how often do you want something? He's like, I don't know, like once a week. I was like, cool, done. I'll do that. So I tried to do a lot of what I was doing uh, on my own site at there, but like a little bit more professionally written, still kind of snarky and whatever. And I got uh, some of our uh, graphic illustrator people involved to make Photoshops for me, stuff like that. Uh, cause I was a clueless moron that didn't know how to do any of it. So, but I started doing that. And then I think it was like a, a couple months later, program director comes back. He's like, dude, he goes outside of the photo galleries that we have on the site. He's like, you have the most hits out of everybody. And I go, I was like, well, I'm marketing beyond the Albany area because I can't market it here <laughs> because you won't give me a show. You won't let me talk about any of this stuff on the air, or like do a podcast or anything like that. So I was just like posting links everywhere. I was just whatever, man, like this is what I'm doing. And he's like, wow, this is really, this is amazing. So what helped that out though? Um, and I say, I say, I say help. I couch that with very careful terms. The Albany river rats bus got into a serious accident coming back from Springfield. Springfield or Lowell, uh, is you know, middle hockey season, so it's winter. Um, and there's a part of I 90 in Western Mass where you go through it. If the weather's bad, it is frightening yeah. because there's no lights, there's nothing like the roads are always bad. But there was a part in the bus, like, skidded off the road, pretty rough accident. Some play, you know, some players got banged up, uh, was scary. Nobody, nobody was seriously injured, thankfully, but that, like, that happened. So I wrote about it for the Fox sports site. And then sure enough, that was getting picked up because they're looking for stuff written about that in Albany. And like, I didn't, you know, I didn't interview anybody. I wasn't doing any of that, that kind of work. I was just, you know, writing, blogging, just like, Hey, this stuff happened. This is scary. Here's why I think it's, you know, this stinks. And then it started getting picked up by a, a couple, uh, a couple of places and the links got everywhere. And I was like, Oh, okay. And it's got my name on it. Like my actual name, not like, you know, whatever my, <laughs> my blogspot handle was or whatever that you know whatever that i was using there uh but i pitched doing like a, a a weekly like half hour hockey show and uh the program director the overall like cluster program director he's like well how do you how are you going to sell that and i go i was like i don't know there's a handful of hockey shops here that would be pretty psyched to have like a handful of uh hockey fans listening to the show and having their you know their their shop getting you know mentioned for a 30 second spot and he's like it's like well you got that guaranteed i go no like i can't sell something i don't have yet like what, what do you want me to do he's like well yeah i don't i don't really see how this works for us and i'm like hey man like keep playing the same like pre-tape cigar dave garbage on the weekends or whatever the hell you're playing i don't know like nobody listened to the station unless there was a game on that like 
uh, I think they carried Yankees games. I think it was, it was Yankees or Mets. I forget. It was it was Yankees. Yeah, now that I'm thinking because I had to run so I had to run the board for some of those things. So oddly enough, producing all that stuff is how I got to know about Brent Axe. I know he was I know he was on recently, <laughs> and yes. because we carried we carried all the Syracuse uh, football and basketball games. So I heard Brent's voice all the time, and I was, I was like, wow, these guys are really good. Like, you know, the whole crew there. And I was like, that's kind of awesome. And then, you know, fast forward to, you know, me moving out here and covering the Sabres and Brent X starts following me. I'm like, well, life's funny. Life's really weird, man. (laughs) But uh, like they just shot down the whole thing of like doing a like a quick program. I was like, I was like, dude, I can record this. Like, I don't even have to do a live. Just I can plug it in there. Like I produce. I know how to do this. I know how to do everything. Just let me do this. And they're like, nah, I don't see the reason. So, uh, but I ended up getting like, Again, uh, laid off by Clear Channel, two thousand January twentieth, two thousand nine. Haven't we all, man? <laughs> uh, it, right, you haven't made it in. You haven't made it in broadcasting unless you've been laid off by Clear Channel. Like that's that's the fact of life. But that was the uh, that was the really big first, the first really big layoff, and they chose inauguration day, Obama's first inauguration day. Because it was never going to be in any headline in any newspaper yeah. anywhere. So they're like, they took the coward's way out and fired like, what, 2,800 people company-wide. And like, cool, thanks, guys. That's, that's neat. But uh, so like, I was like, well, I got nothing to do. I'm just going to keep writing. So I just kept writing. And, uh, you know, that was 09. And then 2000, 2010, I started writing part-time with NBC, uh, like during the playoffs. And, you know, wrote a little bit more and more. Granted, I was, I was getting paid $7 a story, mind you, 2009, 2010, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. A little bit more recent being paid $7 a story. Um, And then uh, my buddy, Brandon, who was, who was running the, who was like the head guy on the site, negotiations went south with him and NBC. And he was like, I'm I'm leaving. I was like, well, okay. And uh, then NBC called me. They're like, Hey, do you want to run it? And I was like, yeah, like, what's what's the pay they tell me the pay and i'm like okay <laughs> like it beat it beats seven dollars a story and it's actually like a full-time wage i'm like all right yeah i'm in and then uh ended up writing on the site for what was it the 10 11 season i started and my last season writing there was 13 14 so yeah it was there and like yeah things got dumb there but i wrote so many goddamn stories on that that site Joe, it's been really great catching up with you. We hope that uh, everyone tunes in and listens to this one. It's going to be a, I mean, we had a great time uh, about yeah. you guys, but uh, it was great catching up and uh, the stories from us, we go the stories from Buffalo and all the news, uh, recent events. And mm-hmm. um, I'm sure we'll catch up again. Yeah. No, check, out, I, check out the Substack. Yes. Notedhockey.substack.com. Yes. Check out maintenance day on, uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google, wherever, wherever you listen to podcasts, it's there. It's uh, myself, Lance Lasowski of the Buffalo news. It's all Sabres. So if you're not a Sabres fan, you might, might wonder what the hell's going on, but, uh, but that's, uh, but yeah, that's it. And uh bleacher report too. Yeah. I'm doing that too. Like I'm all over the place, man. It's, you can't, you can't avoid me on the internet. I'm sorry if you tried to, but I'm there. Joe, you're in one of our, classmates from Oswego joining us on the throwing bagels podcast. And as we mentioned, one of the, one of the few people that actually knows has been there for, for the throwing of the bagels. So we, <laughs> uh, that, that was a lot of fun. And, yeah. Great uh, talking to him. Yeah. Haven't spoken to Joe in a long time. It's good to see that he's in a, he's in a good place and he's, you know, he's working with the Sabres now. Uh, so I'm glad to see it. Absolutely. And, Agreed. 
as we speak, we're we're kind of coming off a real bummer of a weekend with uh, the Giants losing to Philadelphia football, which Chris has his thumbs down on the, on the Zoom. Yeah, I don't think the Giants actually. I don't think the Giants actually went to Philadelphia. <laughs> like, I, don't think, um, I don't think they were there. There was they showed team, up. Right? It wasn't the Giants. They showed they were, up. They, they just were there in spirit. I mean, good God, that was terrible. Uh, do we do we think they were going to be in the in the second round of the playoffs? No, unfairness. Oh, of course not. Season? Yeah, uh, I was expecting. Okay, five. I thought five and twelve, six and eleven, somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. You know, you yep. get a reasonably high draft pick. Maybe you go for it. But nine, seven, and one on the season, and you beat the Vikings in the opening round on the road, and now you go into a buzzsaw in Philadelphia. I mean, you you kind of knew that yeah. this this was not going to be a magical run. Yeah, I mean, you kind of felt after that fourth down call in the first quarter when that yeah. didn't pan out, the game was over at that point. I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, Brian Dable was a was a you know was a gambler all season. He had to go for it there. I was, no, he didn't. It's you're down seven nothing already. Give punt, punt the ball. You hopefully you hopefully you pin them deep into right. their own into their own zone, and maybe you get them to get a three and out, or maybe or you get them to punt at some point, and you get the ball back, and maybe you can tie the game up at that point. Like no, now you now you now you give them the ball in the forty some odd yard line, and they come down and score another touchdown. You're down yeah. down fourteen nothing. That's the yeah. game. Right yeah, yeah. Game's over. I think uh, my favorite part of the weekend was not the Giants game, was not the Bills game, was not the Kansas City game. It was <laughs> it was the Cowboys losing the way they did. And Elliott probably taking the last snap of his Cowboys career and just getting trucked was my favorite part of the weekend. <laughs> I agree. Couldn't agree more. I, I, he's a shell of himself now, by the way. Like, what happened to him? He completely... Like he just completely fell off the face of the earth. Well, like, I mean, they run him run anymore million times a game for five years. Yeah. I mean, and that's what happens. The the ending is he gets struck by San Francisco <laughs> defender. Oh that's my god. <laughs> that might be his career in general at this point. <laughs> we we do have uh, a great guest coming up next. Uh we do this uh, by the way, uh, every other every other Wednesday. Uh you can expect to Get your podcast uh, downloaded wherever it is, Stitcher, Apple, Google. Uh, where are we now? Uh, I think we just added Spotify. Amazon. We're pretty Amazon much everywhere. Music, Spotify, you name it, wherever you get your podcast. So our, our next um, interview will be with Houston Astros broadcaster Robert Ford. He handles radio games for the Astros. But it's, it's the backstory that's interesting because – uh, Robert was a, a kid from the Bronx and then progressed, went to school at Syracuse University and then uh, wound up broadcasting games for the Binghamton Mets. So he's got a very you know cool background and, and we looking forward to really having him share his story about, you know, all the work that he did in the background and helped him get to where he is today. So it should be a really cool interview. And a lot of fun. Yeah. Definitely. Check us out online. We are at throwingbagels.com. Uh, and you can uh, follow our podcast from there. And uh, if you have any questions, if you have something we want to talk that you want us to talk about, or just a question for any of the three of us, please uh, send us an email, throwingbagelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jay. Uh, great, Thank you, gentlemen. Great conversation, as, as always. And uh, we'll be back at it again in a couple of weeks. Bye.